Welcome to the Runners Connect, Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Lucas Felton. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Runners Connect, Run to the Top podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Felton. Many people can say that they've successfully trained for and run a marathon while balancing a family and a full-time job. Far fewer of those can say that they ran that marathon in under 2 hours and 20 minutes. In 2007, Nate Pennington ran the California International Marathon in 2:19:35, an Olympic trials qualifying time. Unfortunately, that race took place 29 days after the Olympic trials race. He hasn't let, them, let that stop him, though. A tireless worker with a seemingly boundless desire to find his limits despite numerous setbacks, Nate continues to train at a high level while maintaining his career as an Army Medical Service Corps officer. Nate was nice enough to speak with us on a Sunday afternoon. Some of the things we talked about were the role of motivation in training and how it's nearly impossible to overstate that, how patience and persistence are the most important parts of any training system, the fact that Nate mostly trains alone and the potential benefits to this strategy, the Kenyan approach to dealing with bad races, as well as putting one's training in perspective with the rest of one's life. We'd like to thank Nate for his time and wish him the best of luck in his goal races this year. If any of Nate's comments or experiences strike a chord, don't hesitate to tell us about it. You can leave us a comment on this page or on our iTunes page. You can also leave us a voice message at 617-356-7969. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, without further ado, our interview with Nate Pennington. So, Nate, uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you started running. I'm from uh, Mingo Junction, Ohio. It's like right on the um, uh, Steubenville. It's like on the... Pittsburgh, Steubenville, West Virginia border. I started running back in 1992, so I've been competing now for 23 years. Kind of, my brother got kind of got me started with it. So, hey, man, you need to come out for the track team. So, start competing that way. Fun. So, ran in high school, ran in college. Yeah, I ran in high school. I ran the uh, the mile, and the two mile, the 1600. I ran 424, uh, the 3200, 946, and uh, 159 for the 800. So for me, that was that was a big jump because you know I started off running the mile in 509 and you know the 800 in like 215. So that's pretty you know, good. I had some. Um, I, I was pleased to to be been able to finish even even to those times. So better than I could ever do. <laughs> so and how did you end up uh, serving in the army? Oh, um, my dad was in the military. You know, I've, I've been around it my whole life, pretty much. I mean, he was in for 22 years. Um, so it's, you know, after 9-11, there was a lot of reasons why I wanted to serve. But that was, a, you know, what happened in New York City, obviously, uh, changed a lot of people's minds about what, what's going on in the world. And, uh, you know, I felt like I needed to, to serve myself. So, you know, I, I just said graduated college uh, in Canton, Ohio. I went to Malone University. and was still at the time trying to search for a job at that time and felt like that was what I was called to do at the time. So uh, it's been 12 years as of a couple days ago, so I've enjoyed it. Met a lot of great people and been able to do a lot of lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do in the civilian sector. So I'm enjoying it. That's great. So I have I have a cousin who was in the, in the military, and uh, he described some pretty uh, full schedules. Tell us, how did you find time to train, especially early on? I've been asked that so many times over over the past twelve years. I mean, really, it's 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 just time management. It's really, 
if you're passionate about doing something and, and you really want to succeed, then you'll accept the, you know, the struggles that come along with it. And there have been a lot, you know, deployments trying to, you know, back when the work started in 03, and I was trying to train in uh, sandstorms in Kuwait, um, you know, field training problems. We call them FTXs in the military. Uh, you know, when you're out in the field for a week and you're the only one that's training, they're all looking at, they're, everybody's looking at you like you're, like you're crazy getting up 2 o'clock in the morning trying to do long runs in the middle of a field training exercise. You know, it's... It's pretty interesting, but really, I mean, it all you've got to you've got to want to succeed in what you're doing. That's it's just that's what's kept me going. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty pretty rough trying to train over in the desert there. So, yeah, yeah, it's, how how do you structure your own training when you can? Um, I pr- I pretty much plan out a month out. You know, I'll write I I write my own plans. Um, so it's pretty much um, you know, I like seeing down on paper what I'm what I'm doing. You know, you, you, and in regards to training, I mean, that's really what you have to do. You have to plan out each day. You have to have a plan going into a you know a major race. It's a lot. It's a lot harder when you're just flying. You know, you know, you're just making up training, training as it comes every day. When you don't really know. Okay, well, you wake up and you're like, well, what am I going to do today? You know, if you have a, a set plan out for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days out, you know, you have a. It's a lot more clear. Yeah, that sounds. It sounds pretty accurate to a lot of people. So. You were a, as you as you described, a uh, an okay runner in high school. And I, did you run in college? I did run in college, and I don't. I certainly don't consider uh, a lot of wooden at the top would consider me anything special. I don't. I've never thought I had a lot of talent. I've just tried to uh, maintain the joy of the sport, maintain maintain focus. You know, a lot of people. That, that's. I think that's a lot. That's a big problem, at least in the 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 top level type community in running. Is they're so focused on you know the two hundred six guy or or the gal running, you know, sub 230, that they don't turn to, you know, think about all the people that are running like five-hour marathons and 35-minute 5Ks. To them, as long as they're working, you know, 100% and they're raising their kids and they're working full-time job, you know, that's pretty impressive too. But a lot of times we don't really focus on that and we say, well, you know, that person's not really that good. You know, it's it all comes down to really what you what you consider good. As long as you're training 100%, you're, you're uh, you know, fully committed, then... To me, I think that's impressive. I would agree. And don't sell yourself too short. There aren't too many people who could break 220 in the marathon with a full-time job. That was extremely difficult. Uh, I talk about that on the site a lot, but um, you know, I try to let my readers know that it's it's a long-term process. It took me uh, it took me 12 years to break that time. For you know, it's a lot of people that that can that have broken that time within a few you know a few months, a couple of years, but for me, with somebody with minimal talent, to me, breaking T20 was a was a huge achievement, and I'm still trying to better that time. Well, it's a it's a it's a good PR to have. So, ex- tell us a little bit about like your mental process. So, you get you go into the service, and you have you're doing training, and you have a job that you're doing, and you're trying to make these big jumps performance. How do you how did you approach that mentally, especially early on? Well, for me, I mean, I always, I just, to make it a simple answer, I mean, I, I always just kept my goals always in mind. I I knew it was going to be difficult. I knew the sport, you know, since competing, it's, results don't come overnight. And I think if you don't have a, uh, a delayed gratification mindset in this sport, you're going to lose the joy and you're going to lose, you know, the want to really improve. And 
you know, and the faster you go, the expectations go higher and higher. You know, people expect more and more out of you sometimes. And, you know, a lot of the times you can't, if you focus so much on what people are thinking or what people are saying, uh, you know, you can you can lose a lot of your momentum. So for me personally, I've had a lot of great people um, that have surrounded me from, you know, military mentors to great coaches. I've had, uh, you know, I had a, a great opportunity to work with Lisa Rainsberger for three years when I was out in Colorado with the uh, Army World Class Athlete Program. And, you know, she she was a huge uh, reason why I broke 220. I mean, I went from going, focusing on doing long runs at, you know, seven-minute mile pace, thinking, okay, I'm out doing, you know, 20, 22-mile long runs at 6,000 feet, at, six, you know, 645, seven-minute mile pace around that range, thinking that that was going to, you know, as long as I'm doing track workouts and, and doing repeats, hill repeats and track intervals, then, you know, doing long runs at that speed is going to definitely improve. And, yeah, you'll be able to burn fat, but training at that speed isn't going to break at the time I was trying to break 222. At that training at those speeds, you're not going to hold 525 pace for 26 miles. I would so, expect not. You know, yeah. So I had to go, I had to hear from somebody who's, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk in regards to the marathon that, hey, you're doing this wrong and you need to change the way you're you're segmenting these these long runs. So a big reason why I think I broke 220 was, one, having the patience to endure a lot of setbacks, and I did. And that's and that's kind of like what I want to do with Run, Dream, Achieve is just let people, the readers, know that, you know, there's going to be a lot of setbacks, and, and you can't uh, just lose momentum on, on, a, on account of a, one failure. You can learn, you'll always learn a lot more through failure than you're going to learn through success. So, you know, working with Lisa and having, having her viewpoint of, hey, we, we got out there, we made it a time to break 222, you know, back in 07, that was my goal. And you failed royally. You know, I, I would go, I'd be fine through, you know, half marathon and then just bomb the last half of the marathon, you know. So we had to change up a lot of tactics. And, and doing long runs at faster speeds were, was, I think, was a big reason why I got under that standard. Back, you know, back in 2008, that was, you know, you needed to break 222 to qualify for the trials. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to break 220, but I did it 27 days after the Olympic trials were held. So it was a bittersweet, but it was still a great, you know, great day for us. So that is a little rough. I would, I'm sure. Uh, for those that, yeah, those who are listening that don't know, Lisa Rainsberger was the 1985 Boston Marathon champion. So, Nate, tell us a little bit about, like, describe a few of those setbacks. I'm sure there, as you said, they were they were legion, and every runner's had them. But just what were a few of yours personally? Biggest ones for me was. Uh, the 2007 Grandma's Marathon, I ended up running 240 that day. Okay, I went out in 110. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, I'm not a, I'm not a warm weather runner at all. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago, the Chicago Marathon and the Grandma's Marathon. Grandma's, we went to uh, Duluth and I ended up running 240. Uh, pretty much walked and jogged the last 14 miles of the race. It was, you know, at the time, uh, the army had paid my way out there, so I had to finish the race. There was no, you know, DNF option there, so uh, failed miserably there. Then and went to Philadelphia and ran a personal best, one hundred seven hundred six, which is still my my best. Um, so we knew we were capable of breaking that two twenty two standard. Um, and then went to Chicago, and it turned out to be the hottest uh, race temperatures in the history of the race, and I ended up running two fifty one. 
and even worse, went out 111 at the half and just crashed. So those were for sure two of the biggest, two of my biggest failures. You know, but three months later, I ended up going to California International and breaking the 220 standard. It was the perfect day. You know, I took three days off after Chicago and just regrouped and talked with Lisa. And she said, hey, you know, we, we know what you're capable of doing. Stay patient and we'll go out to sim and we'll give it a shot there. You'll have better temperatures. It'll be a better day. And uh, fortunately, all the, the stars aligned and we got it. That's great. I uh, was running a cross-country race the day before that Chicago Marathon, and it was, again, roughly 90 degrees in the state of Wisconsin. Ugh. Not so fun. Yeah. I am also not yeah. much of a hot-weather runner. Lots, so Yeah, it's, it's, my hat's off to the people that can do that, that can, that can hold up in heat. Yes, indeed. So setbacks, how do those affect your mental process? It sounds like not very much. Yeah, I mean, I just think in regards to setbacks, I mean, you just got to you got to keep it in perspective that um, you know, tough goals are going to are going to take time and and this isn't an overnight success sport. It it just doesn't work that way. And as long as you're patient, as long as you're, you know, you stay motivated, that's re that's really the key. Either you write down your goals, you know, actually seeing your goals you know, written down is is pretty powerful because it kind of holds you accountable. I mean, there's a lot of times where you're not going to have Somebody holding your hand saying, hey, you need to get out the door. It's, it's up to you. So, The stories of world-class runners who wrote their goals down and put them on a poster on the ceiling of their bedroom when they were in school, in high school, are, uh, are, are pretty numerous. To get out the sure. door, even when it's negative 10 degrees in the morning or 90 degrees in the middle of the day, and, and, get, and get your work in because that's what you want to achieve. And seeing it's big too because you know i was i was deployed to afghanistan in 2012 and or in you know 2012 and even over there you know i had written uh sub 215 on on a piece of paper and hanging in my in my uh in my room so it's that's always something i've done it's just you know hold you accountable and you know let you see what hey this is this is a friendly reminder you need to get your butt out the door yeah that's you know there's that's half the battle take effort so you mentioned your website, Run Dream Achieve. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I've had it since uh, I've had it for a little over two years, and really the reason why I made that site is is uh, there's a lot of reasons, but uh, I want runners to be able to come there and uh, just to get a, a sense of hey, you know, this is somebody that's that's had a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks, and is, and has run some pretty decent times. Um, like I said, there's certainly far more runners out there that are faster than me and much more accomplished. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, athletes that, that are on different capability skills, you know, they, they think that people are so focused at the, at the, at the top of the sport that their, their opinions don't matter and that, you know, their stories don't matter. And I've tried to, I've tried to make an environment there where, you know, runners can share their stories. And I've, I've interviewed a few runners already that, you know, otherwise wouldn't have, nobody would have known about them. And I want some. I wanted to create a place where, you know, runners can share their stories and you know give their feedback and hopefully you know learn some new strategies and tips that that have helped me a lot along the way. So you know it's it's been it's been fun making it and I, I'm still working on it. So there's a lot of work to be done, but uh, I definitely would like to get more athletes' stories out there uh, on the site and take more of the emphasis off me and put it on somebody else. That's that's great. There's a lot of runners who I'm sure could get a lot of inspiration out of that. So 
That's definitely the goal. One trend I've noticed in talking to you is uh, you seem to talk a lot about, you seem to have done most of your training uh, by yourself. And Run, Dream, Achieve website seems to talk about that in a few different areas. Um, do you think there are advantages to training alone? Sure. I mean, it, I mean, it really just comes down to it comes down to your perspective. I mean, one of my one of my best friends, uh, Scott Wateka. I mean, he just broke two uh, two eighteen at Chicago, ran two seventeen seventeen, qualified for the trials. I mean, this this is somebody that trains completely on on his own. Uh, Fernando Cabada, he's another friend of mine. He, you know, I was just talking with him last week. He trains mainly alone himself. I mean, he's got his brother rides alongside him on his uh, on his bike, so he's got somebody out there with him. But um, you know, the majority of runners out there that that are competing at the highest levels, a lot of them train alone, and it doesn't matter where you're at in the sport, you know, what capability you're at. Um, I personally think training alone can do a lot of good because if you've trained yourself to to deal with fatigue and in, in, in training by yourself. And you've pushed yourself in training by yourself. You don't. You get to a race when you're going to have tons of help. You know, it's going to help you out a lot. So, I certainly think training alone is not a definitely not going to you know hurt the athlete. I think it will help if anything. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective because most people would would argue that they are much more motivated to train with a group. And I've done a lot of well, running on my own. Go ahead. Yeah, there's there there is for sure certain uh, you know training with a group obviously is going to help you mentally help you physically i mean it's in a group setting obviously you're going to be able to run a lot faster i think i mean it's you know i had i had a, the opportunity to train with uh, a lot of the top army athletes out in for, uh, colorado springs at fort carson and yeah i mean if you're doing repeat miles and you want to hit a certain time obviously it's 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 a lot easier to be in the group setting than to than to be out there by yourself it's you know you you, you hold each other accountable and it does the group setting does have its strengths, but so does training alone. I mean, if you can still hit those those times that you want to hit, either on the track or you're doing an interval or a long run, and you're able to do that by yourself, you know, it gives a lot more motivation when you get to a race and you have all these extra people to help you along the way. But it's a lot easier, obviously, training in a group setting and, and training for sure. Absolutely. So what do you think is an area of running that the most people could improve upon in their in their own training? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think I think patience really is 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 key. You know, I, I stress a lot at, at Run Dream Achieve that uh, persistence and patience are probably the most important aspect of of running success. Because, like, like I was saying, uh, runners at the very top, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you're at, at capability wise. If you're training at a at 100 percent effort, you're giving everything you've got. Then you're working basically the same at the same level as somebody at the very top. I mean, in terms of effort. Um, so you know, this is a sport where you know when you miss your goal, and and you you've got to you've got to be able to be willing to wait a year, wait a couple years. You know, for me personally, you know, I did I broke two twenty back in two thousand seven, December of two thousand seven, and here it is, you know, February twenty fourteen, and I'm still trying to better that time. You know, it's. It's, it all comes down to how persistent do you want to be to achieve a goal. And as long as you have a delayed gratification mindset, you're going to achieve it. But it's, you know, tough goals don't come easily. And sometimes you got to wait a lot longer than, than others to achieve it. And if you don't have uh, the same level of talent as somebody else, then you're going to obviously, you're going to have to work. You may have to work a little bit 
harder. You may have to run extra miles, and you may have to wait longer than, than the person that had that was given a little bit more physiological talent. You know, in my case, that's that's obviously the way it's been. I've had a, I've, I've had a lot more failures, and I've had successes. And those successes that I have had um, have really driven me to continue to, to want to get better and help other people do it. That's great. So persistence and patience absolutely absolutely keys to, to any kind of running success. In terms of pure training, where do you think most marathoners could improve in their, in their work? Probably number one would be uh, fueling. Uh, that has been probably the most um, challenging aspect of marathon training I personally have had. But I think for other runners, too, um, there's thousands, millions of runners that run, run that distance. And if you've run it, you've obviously realized it's not a 5K. Um, it can be a hot day. It can be a windy day. It can be a cold day. But uh, physiologically, your body needs, you know, needs sugars, needs enough fluids during the race. And a lot of times we're not taking enough calories. We're not taking enough drinks. You know, every three miles you should be taking in, you know, between six and eight ounces of fluid. Whereas a lot of times runners will take a couple sips of a, a mini, you know, a little mini cup and, a lot of times, even miss the just run by the aid station. So you got to take you got to take feeling really seriously. I think that's a big um, aspect of marathon distance that a lot of runners can improve on, myself included. You have any personal tips for how to go about that? I think if anything, uh, you know, a lot of cases runners, unless you're you know invited, you're not going to have your own fluid out there. But at every uh, aid station, I would I would suggest taking a couple cups instead of just sipping one grab a couple every every three miles every eight station that comes by grab a couple cups and drink don't sip that's one of the um, uh, pieces of advice I got from Lisa that hey don't just sip at the station to drink and then as far as uh, calories you know try to take a gel or take a few gels with you in the race and take them every six miles so you're basically going to get one six twelve eighteen twenty twenty four miles so I think taking in, you know, that's an additional four to 500 calories right there on top of the fluid. So, you know, you, you definitely want to take fluid intake and, and ingesting enough calories in the race to uh, maximize getting to the finish line successfully. And sometimes, I mean, like I said, sometimes you can do everything right in training. You can do everything right in the race, and it still doesn't pan out. And that's where you get back, regroup. Write down what you what you what went right, what went wrong. Make your plan for the next attack. Yeah, I totally agree. All many marathoners I've talked to, that is uh, that is where they've run into it. They can they've done twenty and twenty two mile runs in training, and they know they can finish the distance, but they get to eighteen or twenty miles, and it's like you're running underwater yeah. through molasses. Yeah. yeah, it's it's frustrating because you know a lot of times athletes, uh, I mean, will have great workouts. You know, you'll you'll be like, okay, I'm I'm fully ready, and then you get to the race, and like you said, you get to 16, 18 miles, and you know, you just you just run out of fuel. You run, and then and it's difficult. Anybody that's run the marathon knows it's extremely difficult to train for that last 10k, and it really comes down to mindset, and it comes down to doing whatever you got to do to inwardly say, hey, you know, I've done the work, I can I can I can finish this race. Just continue to you know stay as relaxed as you can, but yeah, it's it's tough. But this is a tough sport, and tough people compete in it. So yes, they do. Speaking of tough, um, as we talked about earlier, 
the vast majority of marathoners in the United States and the world are are not invited to those races and do ha- and do work full time and have families and and lives outside of the sport. So, what kind of tips do you have for time management, which you said before was a, was pretty much the key to staying to staying fit when you're when you when you're really busy? Sure. Well, I think I mean time management comes down to what what motivates you. I mean, if, if you have a family, think of your family. I mean, think of anything anything positive. That's the key. There's enough negativity in the world as it is uh, that you you certainly don't want to focus on. So you have to you have to you know think of the positive things that are in your life. Think about your strengths. Think about um, getting across the line in that specific time that you want to run. Uh, that's going to get you through the tough days and. You know, there's if you're working full time, it's definitely um, it's definitely a challenge to run tough specific times, and it doesn't matter at my level or somebody or somebody at a lower level. Um, we're all we all want to to get across the line in a, in our fastest time, or to lose weight, or to you know achieve a tough goal. But you know, time management it comes down to what are your priorities? How bad do you really want it? And for somebody such as myself, who doesn't really have a ton of t- talent, as long with, and a lot of other people out there that are just working on, you know, guts and, and hard work, uh, it, it really comes down to that. You, How patient are you and how persistent are you willing to be to, to, to achieve your goal? So, you know, time management, my best advice is to think of anything positive that's in your life, and uh, whether it be family or performance you've had in the past, Whatever you got to do to stay focused will get you through those tough times. That's a great that's great insight. I really hadn't considered that. So uh, a few more questions. So how's your own training and racing going at this point in your life and career? <laughs> it's been uh, it's been challenging to say the least. I've had some uh, I've had a couple discussions with Lisa uh, past few months, but I've had some of the best training. Uh, I've, I've ever had in my life. I, you know, we were planning on trying to get under 218 in Houston, and that's a story in, a, in and of itself. But I ended up running um, uh, the California National Marathon in December of last year as a training run for Houston. I ended up running 232. Felt phenomenal in the race. Uh, I had two emergency stops: one at mile 21, I had to jump in a portageon, <laughs> and uh, mile, mile 25, I got sick. So. But the goal going in, you know, I had a conversation with her, and she said, hey, just go out there, you know, uh, use it as a long run and try to hit, try to run 230 or, or below and just and see if if you can do that as a, as a long run, you're going to be ready. So I was really pleased with that. Um, and then sure. going into Houston, I had some of the best training I've ever had. You know, I did you know, a 10-mile tempo in 5209, uh, a 15-mile wow. run. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was feeling phenomenal. Um, and then... Unfortunately, I I did make a mistake, and I took some sleeping pills the night before Houston, and felt absolutely horrible the morning of the race, and didn't even finish. I went through finished six miles, and just had to pull off. Um, oh man! So, like I said, I mean, when I I'm talking about setbacks and failures, I I, I truly that that's why it's so important. I express that on the site that because I know I know where these runners are at. I know what it feels like to to be in the best shape of your life and and still not hit your goal or and still not perfect I guess perfect the uh, the art of of running a perfect race you know I marvel at the guys that that are not only training well but are racing well 
uh, and do it at what seems week in and week out, and it, everything just seems to pan out. You know, it's a lot more different. I, I guess that's why I feel more uh, close to, you know, runners of all levels um, and the fact that I realize how, how difficult it can be to, to get it perfected, you know. What inspires me right now is knowing what I've done just in the recent in the recent past in training. Um, right now, I'm looking forward to the Ottawa Marathon in May and going up there and trying to break 218. You know, still at you know I just turned 37, so I know I'm on the higher higher end of of where they say you peak. So um, you know, I know there's guys out there that are running faster times than me and that are older than me. So I, I know it's still possible, but like I said, it, it comes down to how patient, and persistent you're you're willing to be and Sometimes when you fail and you uh, several times, it takes a lot more. It takes a lot of patience, so it's very important. I was just going to ask after uh, after so many failures, and most every runner knows that there's a very different there's a there's a very big difference between between great workouts and and running the race. Sure, myself included. That's very true. It's very true. A lot so, of times too, when you're in, when you're in training, it's you're not. There's there's no pressure, and really, I think that's really what's key. And the times when when I've run PRs and races, or run decent races, what I would consider decent, um, you're you're most relaxed. You're not you're not overthinking things. You're just staying relaxed. It's just another run, and that's really the best advice I can give. Try your best. Obviously, don't do anything the the night before a race that you wouldn't do in training. Don't don't change your you're training your race strategy up any anything any differently than you would during the week of the race. Just stay relaxed, be patient, and 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 go out there and, and try to run a great race. And if you don't, then regroup and and go at it the next time. There's always another race. Exactly. That's something that I've I personally believe is a uh, is a real asset of of racing frequently. Is if you run races frequently. Obviously, not all of them are going to go well, but there's that experience to re- to say it's okay. It's just a race. There's an, there are, there is always another race. That's the truth. That's very true. It's a lot of times it's like you know I've seen so many runners get so bad out of shape and uh, you know it seems like it's like the end of the world because they've had a bad race. And really, when you think about the major problems in the world, there a bad race is very very, I mean, it, it's a very small problem compared to the major problems in the world. If you have your health, if you have your family, if you have people around you that care whether whether you're first or whether you're last or whether you know you're you're hitting a an Olympic trial standard or whatever, if you got supportive people around you and you got mentors around you, then uh, that's where your strength's at. And you're gonna, yeah, there's going to be great races out there, but there's going to be DNFs. There's going to be times where you're halfway in the race and you just fall apart and you're jogging the rest of the way in that's you know as long as you can accept that and stay motivated despite that then you're going to be a success yeah if nothing else you have a bad race you're likely to wake up again the next morning (laughs) exactly Exactly. something tragic that's right and and you know that's that's key and a lot of the uh the kenyan athletes i've trained with that's their mindset they are so i mean i I remember coming back from, uh, I think it was the Green Bay Half Marathon. I ran, for me, it was it was a, kind of an off day. I ran a 110. But there was a marathoner, a Kenyan marathoner. Uh, he was a 212 guy, and he ran 251 that day. 
So obviously wow. for him, it was an awful day as well. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So we're, sitting, we're sitting at the uh, airport, and he's already talking about breaking 210 in his next marathon. I mean, these guys, they that's what I love about them. They don't focus on what happened. They just, they're, they're positive and the, their, their mindset is, is just different. And really that it's just a great example. You're, that's you a, have to uh, have a real yeah. short term mindset. That's term. something that right what went wrong. comes out fairly frequently in writing about Kenyan athletes is they, uh, if they have a, a big workout or a race that doesn't go well and they have to drop out or cut the workout short, they, they don't they don't worry about it. The quote I see a lot is, today my body was not strong, but tomorrow's another day. Exactly. Which I think is something that Western athletes as a whole could, could stand to learn a bit from. Sure. I fully agree with that. You know, I, 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 think, uh, I think it was Nate Jenkins that, that mentioned something in, in regards to that. He said that to the Kenyans... Um, you know, to us, he said, to us in, here in America, you're only as good as your last race. But to, to a Kenyan, you're only as good as your future race. And I think that's a great perspective on, on how they do things. I mean, we're, we're so focused, okay, well, this is my best time, and I ran this time, you know, years ago. Will I be able to do it, you know, now? Yeah, I mean, it's as, as, long, as, you're, as long as you're patient enough to, to withstand, you know, the storms along the way, it, it's still... A possibility and the Kenyans they don't like you said I mean they I don't believe they even have uh, impossible in their mindset certainly wouldn't seem so with the kind of times those guys are running these days oh it's phenomenal it really is so I was gonna ask before it's probably been answered but if you could put your finger on it what exactly keeps you motivated after setback after setback I mean my biggest my biggest inspiration is my I mean uh, you know when my wife, for sure, has been extremely supportive of me, um, and I won't go into specifics, but I will say this: the uh, we have to we have to keep in mind of how important our health is. There's there's people there there may be people in your life uh, in your lives that that don't have the ability to do what you do. So when you have a bad race and you think it's the end of the world, or you think you're um, you don't think you're capable of, of achieving it or you think your time's passed. You need to stop and just slow down and to think, okay, I have my health. I have people around me that love me regardless if I'm at the top or I'm, at, or I've, or I'm just doing horrible. Um, think about those people and think about the fact that you have your health. It's the most important thing we have. And you, as long as God gives us an, a, a, another day, uh, then you'll have that day to... Uh, regroup and and to you know be successful and but definitely keep keep uh, keep your family and and keep that idea that uh, you have your health in mind because a lot of people don't have the ability and the luxury to do what we do. I think that's a great insight. Kept you long enough, so I think we'll we'll kind of wrap this up by um, just wondering what are your what else uh, what other what are your other future racing plans? Ottawa Marathon you mentioned in May. Anything else? Yeah, I'd like to run Ottawa in May. Uh, in April, I'm thinking about running the. Um, uh, I came to be honest, I can't remember the name of it. It's in it's in Louisville. It's a major half marathon. Uh, I think it's the, the Kentucky Derby half marathon. I would love to get under 107. I've been trying to break my PR. I mean, when I ran 219, my I went through the half in 107.09, so I was 
only three seconds off my PR for the half. Uh, I've been trying so I've been trying for for years to break that time. So I'd like to, I'd love to get under 107, and obviously I'd love to break 218. So um, the the half in April, Ottawa in May, and then possibly a a, a winter marathon or fall marathon, maybe Chicago. Sounds great. Well, Nate, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you very much for your time. I'll let you get back thanks to so your much, uh, your weekend and your day off from your class. Well, thanks so much, Lucas, and I uh, wish you and uh, the Runners Connect family the very best. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. This has been a Runners Connect podcast. If you have a question about what you heard or feedback you'd like to give, please don't hesitate. You can leave a written comment on the episode, either on our website or through our iTunes page, or you can leave us a voice message. The number for that is 617-356-7969. We'll answer as many of the questions as we can in one of our monthly Q&A sessions. We look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for listening.